Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Editor's Desk here on Biz News Radio. I'm Felicity Duncan and with me is Alec Hug. Now, Alec, uh, it's been a big week for Biz News and I wanted to just catch up with you because you have been uh, running around doing a lot this week. You, uh, you uh, let's call it premiered. Um, a new live radio show, and you've also created a very exciting new group that uh, the business community can access and join. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about what you've been up to? Well, of course, and I'm also back home in South Africa in the beautiful winter sunshine of Joburg, and as you can hear, the birds in the birds in the trees uh, accompanying us in the background. It's 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 great. It's been a good week, Felicity. Uh, what what we did a while ago, a few months ago, was we started a WhatsApp group for premium, for business premium subscribers. It's been very popular. Over the period, literally one person has left the group. So clearly we're giving the right kind of uh, service on that side. And I thought, well, maybe we should be trying to find a way of expanding this to the whole business community. And we this week launched it via Telegram. Um, and in a couple of days, literally, we've got more than 800 people who've signed up. We keep it uh, restricted. We we don't post a lot there. In fact, only Stuart and you and I have admin privileges. In other words, only we're allowed to post uh, items. So you don't have a, a Tower of Babel going on with everybody trying to have their own word. And that makes it a lot easier. It was a little bit irritating for the early joiners of the Telegram group because every time a new person joins, it pings on your phone if you don't switch the notifications off. But um, if you switch the notifications off, people come on there. They they are uh, they are identified by the name they give Telegram. So some people, well, one person was pretty particularly irritated. He said, now everybody knows I'm a member of your group. And all you have to do really, if you don't want anybody to know you're on Telegram, just put a different name in. It's that simple. Anyway, that's worked very well. And uh, we used that to good advantage on Thursday when literally it was a test. I've been playing around with live radio, live internet radio. We've got a 24-7 internet station on BizNews. You can access it on top right of the home page on, on desktops or you have to go down the page a little on a, on a mobile to find it. But really, it's it's we've got the correct licenses and everything for the music. So we've got music playing, and then we add in the occasional interview. We haven't really focused as much as as uh, as we we uh, had intended to, because there've been other things going on, including moving continents, moving back home. But uh, I've now finally got with the the help of Gavin Buckle, who's a sound engineer here in Joburg, who's helped me a lot, the, the ability to uh, transmit live. And so we had our first live broadcast on. Thursday night. It was an hour's show. We're going to do one a week every Thursday in future from five to six and got some old friends on to uh, give us some support there. Magnus Haystack, David Shapiro uh, and Sean O'Connell as an entrepreneur from Cape Town. They all had interesting stories and uh, we opened that up to the business community, sent through a link on Telegram and those who are members of Telegram could click on the link and come and join us. We also sent through the link obviously, to our WhatsApp community. And it just, uh, it, it was very late uh, in the day. I didn't really want to have a huge audience, given that we were really testing. But uh, things worked pretty well. There were a, a few uh, small issues on, on the technicals where the music was a little louder than it should have been at times, but nothing uh, that I, I think can't be ironed out. 
pretty quickly. So from Thursday, we'll have another one-hour show, and let's see how it goes. So the beauty about this, Felicity, is that we can open up uh, to the entire business community, which is tens of thousands of people. Uh, when there is something important, when something live happens, we can either cross to the event or broadcast it to them live just by sending out a link to our community members. So very exciting times. Yeah, it's exciting stuff and a nice opportunity for people to uh, be up to the minute with what's going on. Now, uh, you mentioned there that you chatted to Magnus. That was a very interesting interview. Magnus is a famously pessimistic, let's call him, bearish. over the last mm. year. Bearish, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Uh, he's a famous bear on, on South Africa and a big uh, advocate of investing offshore. He really pushes people to uh, allocate the maximum that they can in offshore assets. Um, he emphasizes protecting against the RAND and things like that. And um, it was interesting to hear you chatting to him because, of course, you come from the other side where you're quite bullish on the future of South Africa. And uh, Indeed. Mm. And yeah, he just to hear him. I, I think what happened, Felicity, was that in the last 10 years, it's been a one-way bet almost against South Africa. We had Jacob Zuma in power. We had uh, incredible incompetence within uh, government and, of course, corruption as well. And, and when you in doing the kind of work we do, you get to know these things and you can't always publish it. So it's information that you have that shapes your opinions and your and your views, but it's you're unable to to go public with it because of well we were sued enough times by the Guptas so we know uh, that the the cost of uh, of lawyers in in South Africa and London they're not cheap so you 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 tend to you have to hold back because there's also stuff that you can't prove but it works the other way as well so when you've been exposed as I've had the privilege to be to information that perhaps is not in the fully in the public domain it does create or it does affect your your perception of things now where magnus and i differ is that he believes that the the mess of the past 10 years is going to continue into the future whereas my perception is that there really was a watershed on the 17th of uh, sorry on the 18th of december 2017 when the ANC voted to bring in Cyril Ramaphosa and not to allow continuation of the Zuma dynasty. That's effectively where we, we diverge. So I'm looking ahead to a very different country, to a country that has shown incredible resilience in being able to get through a, an impossible period uh, and is now, it's, it's managed to throw off because of its safeguards, because of its institutions, because of the the uh, NGOs, uh, non-governmental organizations, because of a lot of brave people who stood up and were counted, it's now going into a future that, to me, all of that will be rewarded for. Magnus says he wants to see proof. He wants to see evidence first. And in a way, you can understand it because he's dealing with other people's money. So he has to look a person in the eye and say to them, this is why we have done X, Y, Z for you with your investment. Um, and uh, if it goes wrong, he'd have to then go back to them and say, well, sorry, you know, we made a mistake because we did uh, we did the following. However, when you're dealing with people's money, you tend to be more conservative. Hence, he would be looking at the future of the country from a more conservative perspective. But what I will say was that in the end of our conversation on uh, Thursday night, and it was a, a live radio conversation. He did say that, yes, he's he's just looking for evidence now. He does believe that there is a 
the, it's possible that, that things will turn around and South Africa is pretty cheap, but he wants to see the evidence first. So it's almost like he's gone from uh, a far out in the spectrum of saying, take all your money offshore to mm, maybe, maybe this Ramaphosa guy will get it right. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm convinced that Cyril will. I've, I've, I mentioned a few times before that I'm busy doing the audio book um, of Anthony Butler's The Biography on Ramaphosa. And it's an, um, he has an amazing life story and he has <laughs> achieved so much that people don't know or have forgotten about. And just starting off with what he did at the, at the National Union of Mine Workers uh, back in the 80s. So uh, this is a guy who's it, – it's almost like – He's been through the whole process to get to where he is now. And it's, you know, if you believe in these things that, that there is a, a, a greater purpose to all of our lives, it's almost like all the experience he's had up to this point is now going to serve him well into the future and serve the, the citizens of South Africa. Now, there's always a danger, of course, that people invest too much hope in a single person, right? So I think that you're right about um, Ramaphosa, and he is a, a man of integrity who really wants to turn things around for South Africa. But I think Magnus is right to say, well, is that going to be enough? Is one man's good intentions enough? And so that's where the, the question of evidence comes in. So what do we want to see? Because Ramaphosa's job really is going to be rebuilding the institutions in South Africa and then implementing policies that actually work to make a difference in people's lives. Um, so what kind of evidence do we, are we looking for that it's not just Ramaphosa's good intentions, but that there's actually practically things happening in the arms of government, in, you know, the legislation, in all these aspects of things that, over which he has some a measure of control that show that it's not just his intentions, but there's actually things happening. Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question. The, the To me, we're already seeing it. We're seeing it through the appointments. Interrogate the appointments that he's made and how he's made them. Uh, the the actions on things like the commissions of inquiry. You just have to wonder what the country would be looking like if someone like Angelo Agrizi, for instance, hadn't got up and, and made the incredible that he made at the Zondo Commission. For instance, uh, it, it's likely that uh, Jiba and Ruwewi, who were number two and three at the National Prosecuting Authority, would still be hanging in there. Uh, certainly, Mokonyani, who's now been pushed out, uh, would, still, would almost certainly have been a member of Ramaphosa's cabinet and so on and so forth. So, so things are happening so rapidly in South Africa. And as a, as a normal citizen, the media is important, but it's it's not the middle, not the center of your life. Whereas for people like us who work in the industry, it is the center of our life, and we're watching it closely. And even for us, it's hard to keep on top of the developments. Cyril has moved very fast. He's moved uh, in in the right kind of ways, and you would expect that his cabinet would do the same. Again, from his book, from the days that he was the uh, the, the, the General Secretary of the National Union of Mine Workers. He's always been a perfectionist. He's always demanded a lot from the people who work around him because he is driven by a higher purpose of this, I've no doubt. So you're going to see that from the cabinet. You're going to see a cabinet that is functional. You're going to see uh, harder working people uh, imp implemented there. And you're going to see a, a consequential uh, uh, analysis of their positions. It, South Africa has for so long been the republic of no consequences because it didn't matter what you did, uh, there was always 
some other agenda that was happening behind the scenes that ena- enabled you to, to continue doing that. The, the Ramaphosa administration, I'm expecting that what we should look out for is consequences of, of actions. And obviously, he's going to pick the best people possible for his cabinet. As we talk now, we haven't, haven't had word on what the cabinet is yet. But you can also imagine that he's going to want them to deliver. And that is, uh, you talk to ordinary South Africans or, or the people in this country, and the, the response is, gee, Cyril's got a lot of work to do. Of course he has, but he's only the leader, and he's going to surround himself with others who can do the implementation. And it's not like he hasn't done it before. He did it at the NUM, uh, National Union of Mine Workers. He did it at uh, CODESA. He's done it within his own business enterprises. And I, I see that when you put that track record together, he has a man of 65 enormous experience who can now implement and find the right people to support him. So I I remain uh, as excited about South Africa Inc. as I would about a company that's got a new chief executive after a really bad guy had been kicked out. uh, And the new chief executive is putting their person into the right positions that they need, the new financial director, a new uh, operations manager, a new head of HR, etc., uh, then you would look at it as a turnaround situation, and that's very much the way that I look at South Africa Inc. It's no, it's it's you know, it's only 58 million people, and that might sound a bit crazy, but it's half a percent of the global of the world's population. Uh, it's not in India where you've got 300 million people who are unemployed, and that's what Modi has to look after, or a China where you've you've got a similar situation where many people need to be brought into the urbanisation and into the economy. Just hundreds of millions of people, the whole scale there is so much bigger. The chances of making a mistake are much bigger. The, 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 the need to attract uh, massive amounts of capital to move the dial. South Africa, 58 million people, it's manageable. It's really, really easy, relatively easily done. And uh, Ramaphosa is the kind of guy who understands that. He's got the negotiating uh, skills to bring others to the party, and that's why I would look ahead. So... Uh, I would look ahead with confidence. So I, I think uh, we're, on, we're on the right path. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a transcript of this interview, one is available on biznews.com in the premium section. Remember, you can sign up for premium, just £5 a month, and it gives you access to all our great content and to uh, the content from our partners, the Wall Street Journal.